Lights, Camera, Asia. A look at Asian culture and history through the lens of cinema. Hello and welcome back to Lights, Camera, Asia. I'm Jake Chen. Last week we talked about a film titled Seven Days in Heaven, a comedy and drama about how a father in the family has died and how the rest of the family has to deal with it. We went over the story, and specifically about how funeral procession in Taiwan can be as sad as it is comical at some point. This week, we'll talk about some of the elements in the film that makes it stand out from other dramas. We'll talk about the artistic choices that filmmakers have made along the way, as well as some of the subplots in the film that also help convey the story. And speaking of artistic choices, I think one of the first things that viewers will immediately feel is how frequently and how drastically the tone of the movie changes. For instance. This is the music at the beginning of the movie. A man who dresses in full red funeral procession costume, who is presumably the mortician, is dancing along with the rhythm of the music in a mourning hall where. Presumably, a dead person's ash was placed, and then he picks up his cell phone and learns that another person has died, and then there's new business coming to him. Of course, like I said earlier in last week's episode, death is by all means not a joking matter, especially in Asian culture. So the fact that he was dancing back and forth and then casually pick up the phone and talk about such a rather heavy matter shows that. The film's makers have this morbid sense of humor to make fun out of a subject matter that is pretty much taboo. So right off the bat, this defies people's conventional perspective towards the subject matter, which is death. In a scene that immediately follows the film's opening sequence, however. We hear the mortician's voice praying for the deceased. Your body has no injury and no sign of wear and tear. You're going out just like you were going out in the world when you were a youngster. His voice overlaps with the voice of the deceased daughter, who, along with her brother, rushes into the hospital's ward, only to find out that their father is no longer. There is no dialogue. All you see is the sister and her brother rushing into the hospital ward, and the sound of the machine clearly tells them that the patient's heart had just stopped beating. They've just missed the opportunity to see their father alive for one last time. Now, if I had to use one word to describe the scene before this one and the scene itself, the word for the first scene. 
at the beginning of the movie will be excess. It is filled to the brim with information. There's vibrant colors, there's dancing, there's a lot of other movements, and then the guy moves and talks in a very colorful, almost comical kind of way. So our senses are bombarded, while at the same time our brain is trying to make sense of the fact that he's actually talking about somebody's death. Whereas this scene right here in the hospital, I can say it is the polar opposite of that. There is no music. There is no dialogue. The doctor and the patient's family members didn't say anything for a good half minute. There's barely any crying. This scene itself, if I have to use one word, it's minimalism. But precisely because all of these elements are removed, and I guess purposely by the filmmakers, what we're left with is nothing but the deceased family member's facial expression. In fact, we don't even see the dead body. We just see them staring off the screen with an unspeakable sense of sorrow gradually filling it up both the sister and her brother. This is a powerful scene and a powerful juxtaposition. We, as members of the audience, were just overwhelmed with all this colorful and almost joyful energy. And then in a split second, just like that, now we have to experience the same sense of empty, vacant, silent sorrow that fills these two youngsters. In fact, this seemingly almost radical artistic choice is very consistent throughout the entire movie. Whenever we look at a scene where the actual funeral procession takes place, there's no music and very little dialogue. People spend the majority of their screen time carrying out every single step of the funeral procession according to program, mostly in silence, in mourning. The weight and the significance of the event is carried out by the fact that there is very little sound and people almost have to hold their breath in. And I think part of it is because when a member of the family had just passed away, it mostly comes as a huge emotional shock to the rest of the family, so much so that, at least according to my limited experience, that most of the family members have a hard time making sense and processing what actually happens. So there isn't that outburst of emotions as we might expect. And when we talk about the outburst of emotions, this is where the comedic element kicks in. The body of the father is, according to the program, supposed to be held in the family's mourning hall for seven days before it's sent off for burial. So everything has to go according to program. Comically, that includes when and where the daughter is supposed to cry. Here on the way of funeral procession, the mortician tells the daughter, Look, according to the program, Later on, it's your turn to cry, but not your brother. You two must keep that in mind.
The daughter says, In the following seven days, me and my brother are often confused as to when to cry and when not to cry. Here at one scene, we see that the daughter is literally taking care of some paperwork, and as soon as somebody bangs a gong and tells her, Look, it's your time to cry now, she has to really drop everything that she's doing and then just run to the coffin and cry beside it, whether she feels like it or not. The same rather unexpected demand repeats itself several times in the following sequence, and it doesn't matter if the daughter is eating or brushing her teeth or just trying to head to bed. As soon as somebody tells her to cry, she has to head over to the coffin, and again, whether she feels like it or not, she has to at least pretend that she's breaking down in tears. You can probably hear towards the end of the sequence, she really doesn't feel like crying anymore. She's basically just making that sound to show that she's going through with the procedure. Eventually, after all the formality and procedures and absurdities and all that comes with the traditions, the seven days of funeral possession ended. And then both the daughter and her younger brother had to return to their normal life and carry on forward. In Shanghai, Hong Kong, and Tokyo, in a round trip? Oh, sure. It's just what I thought, and if I may, when I wanted to. Great. <laughs> okay. Our HR division will inform you after I review your CV in more detail. Thanks for coming today. Okay. Here we see the young daughter interviewing for a job that requires her to travel across Hong Kong, Tokyo, and Shanghai in English, showing her that she's advancing in a company. Now, at this point, she's never talked to anyone outside her family about the passing of her father until this scene right here, where she's meeting her girlfriends in a local bar. Here we see the daughter casually telling her friends in the middle of a party, Hey, I forgot to tell you guys that my father passed away. Her friends look at her in awe and they ask her just when exactly did this happen. And again, she remained rather distant and aloof, saying that, well, this happened four months ago. But it wasn't until later on in the film, when she's returning from a foreign destination back to Taiwan, that she remembers to buy her father the kind of cigarette that he's got the habit of smoking. And it was at that moment that she's hit with the reality. Her father is no longer there. Towards the end of the film, again, in dead silence, we see her dressed in business suits, picking up a cigarette, and keep in mind she's never gotten to the habit of smoking, and she began to smoke, and the scene is gradually filled with smoke, and she appears blurred and distant, and we can barely make out the fact that she has broken down in tears and crying. And this speaks volumes about the filmmaker's intention. After all that is loud and absurd and even dramatic and exciting that is a ceremony, one is hit with the silent reality that the one we love is no longer there, 
after he or she passes. And it is this long, dead silence that immerses us. And it is in this atmosphere that we have to carry on with our everyday life and that we have to get used to this painful reality day after day. Thank you for listening to Lights Camera Asia. I'm Jake Chen. Talk to you next week.